Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day low actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus hello i'm scott soshnick and i'm evan novi williams and this is the too many tacos sports business podcast the sportacast Speak for yourself, brother. I didn't have any tacos. I didn't have any last night. Scott, you are not a Tex-Mex person. I am I'm not, shocked they let you into Austin. I am not a Tex-Mex with, with person, person, but like they that. let me in anyway. We are coming to you from Austin, Texas, South by Southwest. Evan, there's a, there's a lot of things we should talk about here. The panels have been great. I mean, we just finished one with John Wanbach of, uh, of Skydance Media and Skydance Sports. And John Skipper, of course, used to run ESPN of Metal Art. And not only did they have the room in stitches, but to see John talk about the cable bundle, and I know we said we were going to start with Tom Brady, but the hell with it. Let's just talk about this. <laughs> I never stick to script. You know that. John, it was like, yeah, sure. Look at, let's just look at soccer. If you want soccer, you have to sign up. And I don't remember how many there were, but you have to sign up for literally almost every streaming service. And he's like, great. And then when they hook you and it's working, the price will go up to $29.99 or $19.99. And then you multiply by the number of streaming services you need and have. And you're paying $300 for some of the content you want instead of that cable bundle you had for like 90 bucks. And I've been saying this forever. I am so, I I am patting myself on the back, literally, because I'm so ahead of the curve on this one that, and it's not just because I'm old and tired. Oh, that's a piece of why. But as you know, I never wavered from the cable bundle. It had everything that I want. It has what my wife wants. It has what my kid wants. And every now and then I'll dabble in the HGTV. Like I need to see who's building a house, who's selling a house, what's the prices around the country. And, and it just works for me, including on the sports. I get enough of what I need. Yeah, so I'm the resident uh, cord cutter on the on the podcast. Uh, there's no question that the this idea that the idea that this was going to be the cheaper version to get a la carte the things that you want has a hundred percent not been true. Um, it, it, it's fragmented more than I think I would have expected. But you're right to be. A, I think it's going to be true for almost any sport outside of the NFL. Right to be a, a a big fan of any big American sport, you're going to need to have all of these services increasingly more and more, and and the leagues are going to jump in on their own. They obviously already have, but it's going to be harder and harder to be a kind of cross sport consumer unless you're willing to shell out massive, massive dollars. Yeah, how about the notion from John Skipper on the streaming services? He's like, they don't care how many people are watching. Of course, he said they'll never tell you that. Yes, we want to make programming that people like and good. Pro- yeah, they get it. But once they have you as that monthly subscriber and they have your credit card and it's that recurring monthly revenue, and we have talked about this before, I would love to sit down with Reed Hastings 
and find out the psychology that went into the pricing for that first Netflix month. Like yeah. it was, what was it? Like nine, $7.99, $8.99, whatever it was. Yeah. What's the number for you? I'm curious. When the credit card bill comes in and you see the charge on there every month, but you didn't utilize the service. Okay, like my, my son has that for his Microsoft, there's a gold pass, something gives him a whole bunch of games, right? He uses it, so it's great, I don't mind. It's like 10, 12 bucks, whatever. But what's the price? You know me, if I saw a $9 charge and I didn't use Netflix and nobody watched a movie, I'd be like, what are we doing? Cancel this thing. Like I, I look and I would cancel that sucker in a minute. What's the number for you? But the psychology, I think, how whatever just crazy studies they did, the number was put out there for people to look at and say, well, it's really not all that much money, so I'm not going to cancel. You know me, Scott. My number is like 25 cents. <laughs> if, it's, if it's anything over a dollar, I think I'm checking that account and being like, "What? I'm not using this. Why do I need to? Uh, why do I need to pay this?" But you're right, and and the way that the way that they kind of incrementally tick up. There are things that I subscribe to. ESPN Plus is a really good example where I haven't noticed the changes. It's probably significantly more expensive than I think the 4.99 that it was when I signed up for it. But yeah, I use it. Um, and the fact that it's twice as expensive is not something that really factors into the way I'm going. This is, I mean, this is a pricing strategy that's been used forever. They get you in at, at a certain thing. And as long as you're using the thing, it, it, it ticks up and you don't notice. But yeah, there's no question that, it, that, that this is going to continue to happen. And yeah, it's like the, the frog in the, in the pot, right? As the water gets, uh, gets warmer and warmer, it doesn't jump out because it doesn't notice kind of the incremental changes. And then it gets cooked. This is, uh, I'm realizing this is a, a maybe a, a dark <laughs> metaphor to use. <laughs> this but. is where I look at you and I say, I have no idea where you're going with the frog in the pot. You don't know the, the frog in the pot? I do now, but I had okay. no, I had not oh, known that. So John with an H, that would be Skipper at Metal Art. And John with no H is J-O-N at Skydance Sports. They're, they're in business together. One of the projects they're doing is a documentary on the U.S.-Mexico soccer rivalry. Yeah. Right? So, and they were talking about how pristine platinum companies like Apple are, are backing long-form projects like mm -hmm. documentary. Now, is, that's kind of exempt from this cord-cutting world. And in a world of shorter attention spans, and my focus group of one, I say it all the time, he won't <laughs> sit. And John said the same thing, by the way. He, John Skipper said he does not sit and watch any complete game, and he's a soccer fan. He watches NBC's recap, the 12-minute recap. So yep. He sees every goal he needs, every pass that he missed, so he can watch that online. He doesn't need to watch the whole game. And this is not, like, no offense to John here, I'm not telling secrets, he's not in that under-24 demo, right? Like my kid, who wants to play the video game. He, he will not watch an entire game. I don't know, because we haven't tried, I wonder how he would do with something like The Last Dance. I was about to say, it's funny that you mentioned The Last Dance. I've watched more of The Last Dance than I've watched live NBA games in the past two years. Right? I'm, not a I'm not an NBA fan at all, and I'm not an NBA consumer at all either. But yeah, I'm sure there's tons of people like me that, that, have, that depending on the sport, have consumed more of the interesting kind of documentary content than they have live versions of the game. I can't be alone in that, for sure. Focus no, group I, of I one, so. me. And I lived that stuff. I mean, I lived through it. I was sitting courtside for much of sort of the Michael Jordan dominant years. And there's still plenty of things, obviously, that I didn't see, even though I was at practice every day for those championships. And, you know, Phil took care of certain people. I mean, I was there with Michael in the locker rooms, but there's still a ton of footage that nobody had seen before. And I guess from a COVID perspective, they accelerated the project so that people would have something to watch because live sports went away. So it had that tailwind. But looking forward, what do you think the appetite is across all age groups 
for long form content like that. I think it's high and I think it's not just the documentary stuff. I I imagine that you are probably fairly interested in the Showtime Lakers HBO show that that just came out um just because you're a basketball guy But as I have well. to stumble upon it. I'm I'm not I don't know if I'm the norm here. I don't seek any of this stuff out. I hear about it. I hear it's it's widely promoted. Oh, this was good. I saw some of the trailer. But I'm not going, oh, I got to watch the first episode now. I'll watch, like, if I get it a year from now, if I get it three years from now. I have not seen Game of Thrones. I have not seen Breaking Bad. I have missed all of it. <laughs> well, yeah, I think in this, yeah, you're, you're abnormal in that regard. But you yes. Could, you could have just stopped it. You're abnormal. <laughs> you're abnormal. Yeah, the, but no question. There are definitely people that are going to seek out that, that HBO show. I've heard it's great. Um, I, haven't, I haven't watched any of it yet myself. But again, I, I am more, way more likely to, to consume NBA content when it is not a live game. When it is something else that I find interesting, something documentary created, if it's a scripted show, whatever it is. Yeah, I think there's, there's, and, and again, this, this is what everybody talks about. We heard so many people talking about sports betting this weekend, even on a panel that, that we did here at South by about the, the way in which these new technologies bring in fans that would not be watching live games. And for a long time, live games or, or attending games was essentially the only two ways they were attracting people, right? And now, if you can get someone who isn't interested in basketball but wants to place a wager and, oh, the next game's on TV and, and why don't I do that? Yeah, there's, there, there's new ways via new technology, via new types of media that you can bring in new people. That's the name of the game, right? It's, it's, it's broadening the, the total addressable market, the TAM, if you are uh, sports you. betting uh, parlance. Now, we are under no obligation. We have no orders to pump the tires of our sponsors. But I will say it was like points bet and so rare we're here. And I mention it because you mentioned the sports gambling. And it's, of course, a big part of the discussion that's happening at South by. But I was kind of amazed that the room was kind of packed for Michael Meltzer. It's so rare that there was so much interest in, all right, what's this NFT thing? There were a lot of people who stood up and said, this is the first time I'm hearing about so rare, but I want to learn more. It marrying this fantasy as well as the NFTs. Good questions. And I really enjoyed that discussion to see the questions that first-timers were coming up with or even people around the world. There were questions from Japan and, and Holland and it, sort of, it really was the definition of the globality of why this stuff, I believe, is going to work. I can't think of a, a product that is more South by Southwest than NFT. I would love to know how many times NFT has been uttered uh, in, in Austin the last couple of days or, or how many panels on which it just found a way into the conversation in some capacity. Yeah, cryptocurrency... NFTs, Web3, blockchain, blockchain <laughs> metaverse, all the big all the big buzzwords. We're hearing it on every panel. Every conversation is touching on it because every team and every league and every athlete, as we heard with, with Paul Rabel and Charlotte Flair on Sunday, everybody is talking about it. There's massive new opportunities here and people are trying to figure out the right ways to do it. There are some wrong ways to do it, as I think we've seen, um, and kind of figure out how to thread that needle requires expertise that a lot of people don't have, right? So companies like so rare, people like Michael Meltzer are, are the ones out there trying to educate the marketplace in some ways. Here's what NFTs are. Here's our product. Here's why our product is different than what the other ones are. And there's going to be a big, that's going to have to happen for years, I think, for people to fully understand exactly what they're talking about when, when those buzzwords get thrown around. And to be honest, Scott, I am still kind of confused. Uh, our, our colleague, Jacob Feldman, was trying to walk me through some of this last last night and my eyes just, ears and eyes glazed over. It was, it was so hard for me to follow 
it's going to take, I think, a lot. A lot of people a really long time to understand and really grasp a lot of these concepts. I have seen that look on you quite a few times. Not, <laughs> yeah, not just not when the it's, first time. Not just with Jacob. Will not I, be yeah, the last time. I, I, I've seen that, but I, I'll tell you. you know, Mike talked about. Mike Meltzer talked about that first mover status, and we've heard about that before in the sports betting world. And I mean, I think you'd agree, like DraftKings, points bet, you know, FanDuel. It it matters, and he's like, that's their biggest advantage with the U.S. leagues right now because they're all about licensing, right? They need to have the IP, the intellectual property of the NFL, the NBA. And at a time when, by the way, can I use a big word? Bifurcated, right? Ooh, okay. it's, it, it hasn't been long since the players have realized the value of their individual IP. So in the old days, like three years ago, the players would allow the leagues to have their their rights and go group licensing so the, the nfl for instance would cut a check to the nfl players association for the right to use the players names and likenesses now the players in the unions have realized wait a minute we can do a lot more with these images and, and as a group outside of the nba there's value in being able to show lebron james outside of a lakers jersey no nba marks no you know nothing like that just as lebron and then you put the biggest stars of the game or, or put them in a big group, and there are plenty of companies and entities willing to pay the union for that right. So they took those rights back. So now, if I'm so rare, or any company like so rare, I need to go to the Players Association and cut a deal for the right to use the player's image. Then, and boy, imagine if you only get one and not the other, because in this context, you kind of need both. Because a, a, a fantasy game... It, with LeBron out of uniform doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? Then you need to go to the NBA and say, I've got the player license, but now I need the league license for the, for the right to use the logos of the Lakers and all, and all the other teams. So it, it's, it's a little tricky dance they have to do. You, you need two deals, not one. And, and for going back to the first mover status for a second, that is, can be a, a blessing and a curse in some ways, right? The NBA top shot, I think, is an example of a first mover that was tremendously successful, I have a feeling that when we look back in four or five years at, at where NFTs have gone, we will look back at NBA Top Shot as a deeply flawed, really non-dynamic product. However, it was the thing that introduced a lot of sports fans to NFTs. There was a time, Scott, in, in February and March of 2021 where they were doing over $200 million in transactions in, in a single month. That's down to, to, to $40 million in, in February 2022. So the market has tailed off. But the fact that the NBA and Dapper Labs, to their credit, recognized that this was a thing, realized that they didn't need the perfect product, they maybe just needed the first product, uh, ended up being, I think, a tremendously lucrative and a tremendously successful uh, opportunity for them. That's first mover that works really successfully. Then I think you have, if you are following what's happening in European soccer with some of the fan tokens, I think maybe you're seeing the other side of that coin, pun not intended, in that the a lot of the first movers are realizing that, oh, maybe fan tokens, there are some consumer protection problems with fan tokens, and maybe these companies aren't thinking about that in the right way. And, and hey, maybe a product in which a lot of my fans who think they're investing in the team through a different kind of uh, system are going to lose a lot of money. Maybe that's maybe that's not so great. Uh, maybe that's not something I want to offer to my to my fans. So yeah, I think in, in in this world where we're talking about technologies, cryptocurrencies, financial structures that are essentially unproven and, and unsure, there are ways in which you can do that fast and do that really well. 
And then there are ways in which you can do that really fast and end up really hurting your brand in the process. And we're going to see both of those, I think, for the next, I mean, moving forward, we're going to keep seeing both those things, the successful versions and the unsuccessful versions. Can I put you on the spot? Please. Not even when you say yes or no, you know I will. (laughs) What has stood out to you so far? What really stuck with you or what do you think the highlights were of some of the sports ride here at South by from South by the, the the first panel that we did on Sunday morning uh with Alexis Ohanian and and Julie uh Ullman Julie Ehrman, the, yeah. over at Angel City FC um I thought was totally fascinating and, and Angel City Alexis for, was great for folks who don't know uh it, it's one of the new expansion teams in the NWSL uh they are essentially debuting this weekend in a couple of days they're going to have their first games they have gotten so much press before kicking a single soccer ball investors they have 99 i think is now the cap table investors including alexis ohanian uh reddit co-founder husband of serena williams natalie portman you may have heard of her the the list goes on and on of of the angel city investors who are high class business people celebrities people who have their own platforms who can who can who can promote the team they've done a really great job of building a brand immediately they seem to have done a lot of Marketing deals, they seem to have a a strong e-commerce business already, again, before they've even played a single game. They seem to be thinking about team ownership in a very different way than I think maybe anybody else, certainly any of the the major men's professional leagues. They're thinking about ownership in a a different way. They've been fined a whole bunch of times by the league. Julie said that they've been fined more than anybody else in the league. Depending on who you ask, I think they are changing the game in a great way or maybe changing the way in in a way that is fairly dangerous. And I am fascinated to see how that plays out because again they, they when they raised money Scott as you know a, a couple weeks ago they announced it as a uh, as a series A it's round a series A round yeah never heard that before from a professional sports franchise it gives you a sense they really think about this as a startup and think about this in in a way that again almost no other assets and I don't even think even NWSL teams are thinking about it similarly Alexis was passionate though that the franchise's motto of like leading with purpose, but also it's about profit, you know, and then throwing it back into the community. He he was passionate about women's sports and he talked about a lot of the VCs and private equity firms. Um, I, he'd mentioned, I don't want to like, I remember he said Sequoia. Mm-hmm. I don't remember some of the others that just, like they're very willing to jump into like a sports betting outfit without really knowing about it or how it'll, what, what kind of ROI they'll get. But nobody wanted to look at women's sports and He's got the data, and we've heard a lot about this from our friends over at the Sports Innovation Lab, like the data backs up the investment in women's sports will produce ROI. And he's like, great, just like leave them out. Like, but he doesn't understand how sophisticated investors don't look at the same, <clears throat> excuse me, don't look at the same data that he's looking at and understand that as a long play, there's great return on investment available. Yeah, that's right. And and again, th- th- we're going to see a lot of this play out. Uh, uh, we're recording this before um, before you speak on a, on a panel with uh, Jessica uh, with Jessica Berman, who, yeah. who was on our show last week. You know, I, I'm excited to hear her talk about Angel City, how she as a new commissioner comes in, how she thinks about having an ownership group that is doing so many great things for NWSL without a doubt, and is also maybe pushing the boundaries in a way that other people in the league might not be comfortable with, or she might not be comfortable Maybe with. Maybe ticking for all, some for all people we know. off. Right. Well, I mean, what was the great line? He said, uh, he was talking about inherent tension and conflict between himself as an owner and that ownership group and their partners, in essence. Yeah. You know, the, the, the other teams and the owners in the league. And I asked it, like, how does it manifest itself? He goes, well, there's things we want to do on our timetable. We want to get it done in two years. 
the rest of the league would be happy, perfectly happy, if we got the same agenda items done in 10 years. Yeah. Like, that sort of impatience, does it wear thin with the partners, or do they say, all right, maybe there's a better way here. Maybe we'll follow, let's stick a toe in the same water as the frog, just to keep it going. And if they do see some decent results, maybe we go a little bit further. Yeah, it, 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 we'll see. And, and as a quick, before we go, Scott, I want to make sure that we get to some other news, non-South by news that happened here. Um, Tom Brady retired five weeks ago. Barely made it a month. All he had to <laughs> do was, well, he took it to the Manchester United game. He was me. hanging with Cristiano Ronaldo, scored a hat trick, and he's like, you know what? I miss it. Thank you. I think I think this is one of the, this could very well be the thing. He watched another athlete at the at really famous athlete towards the end of his career, but still doing it at a crazy age, and saw saw Cristiano score three goals and was like, this like I want to do this again. And I, I would not be shocked if that was a that was a factor in here. But I, I am not surprised that this. And I was shocked when he retired after talking at length over the past few years about how he wanted to maybe play until he was 50, that he did not want to give the game up until he really felt like he didn't have much left to offer. The team it was, it was a playoff team. I think they were within a game of making it back to the Super Bowl. Um, it, I'm not surprised by this, but it's it's funny how much the when, when a player of Tom's caliber retires, there's a whole kind of uh, economy that pops up around things like merchandise. I, I believe the, his last touchdown ball was just sold, sold at auction, yeah. right? 500000 what, what suddenly happens? I'm sure this happened with Michael Jordan as well. I just don't remember it. But th- there's so much that kind of revs up from an economy standpoint about when a player retires. People buy things thinking about the kind of commercial value of them relative to the end of Tom's career. Suddenly he, he decides he's going to come back. Maybe he plays two or three more years. Who knows? Uh, yeah, it just changes so much about kind of the things that we talk about when a player of Tom's magnitude hangs up the cleats and then decides, you know what, I'm going to put him back on. There's no way that TB12 missed all the hype about this ball, right? It was supposed to be his last touchdown ball. Somebody yeah. pays 500000 He announced he's coming back, and now it's worth like 15000 How cool, right? I'm Tom Brady. I got to get in touch with this person who bought the ball, right? He said, let me autograph it. Let me put a little note. Sorry, I decided to come back and ruin your investment. And right? I promise you, when I am done, yeah, yeah. I'll get that ball I'll, I'll for get you. you I'll get you another yeah. ball. Yeah, it, the next time will be real and we'll get you the ball or something. And, and Boom, we, there goes, you know, it skyrockets in value again. And, and you and I have talked about this before, but I think it bears repeating so much of Tom's post-career life, TB12, the brand, is predicated, or, 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 or the best marketing for TB12 is the fact that Tom, uh, in his mid to late 40s, is, is dominating a sport that we think of as exclusively, extremely physical and exclusively for, for, for younger men. Uh, Tom now, coming back, has the ability to kind of build on that legacy a little bit. I, I would not venture to say that that is a reason for coming back, but there's definitely a benefit, again, the longer Tom can defy the odds as a football player, the stronger his post-football brand becomes in, in a direct way that I don't think has been true for any other, certainly no big athlete that I can think of. TB is TB's best marketing tool. Exactly. Sure. exactly. All right, he is Eben Novi-Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Thank you very much, Matt, for cleaning us up. Actually, we don't. We leave all the messes in there. Our social media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sporticast, which is the hub of what will soon become the Sportico Media Network.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.